football poop is doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So, Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Pelizzolo back here with Sam Monson. It's week 17. We have all of your playoff scenarios. Sam's over there. He's fleeting out the PFF NFL daily. If you're listening to this, be sure to go download and subscribe our new podcast. But before we get into it, don't forget, this is your last chance now. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight to put at least $20 into their account while using the promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. I cannot emphasize this enough. This is when you want to get PFF Edge. $40 of value for just that $20 and you get the opportunity to turn 20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the country it's monkey knife fight so go to monkey knife fight deposit your 20 bucks use the promo code pff today and receive your free pff edge annual subscription all of our draft content coming out very soon this is when you want pff edge you also want pff elite and when you get a pff elite subscription using the promo code action you receive a free year you get the year of elite plus one year of action pro subscription access for just that 199 dollars and 99 cents action pro is action network's premium subscription offering tailor-made to make avid and new betters better this is a limited time offer that is currently only made available now through the super bowl the offer also only applies to first time elite annual subscribers all right sam now we can talk together hey steve week 17 how you doing i'm good how about you great it's New Year's Eve as we record. Happy New Year to everybody here. Happy New Year. Any big plans with the puppy? Uh, no, 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 none. We've refrained from having the puppy on the uh, podcast yet just because we don't want you to, uh, to get too upset. Feels like he's a, upset. he's a challenge. I mean, challenge? it turns out new puppies are kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, and from reading up on, you know, training and all those kinds of things, they, they become more of a pain in the ass as they hit adolescence. And then assuming you didn't screw up the entire first year, you might get a good dog at the end of it. If you guys have any puppy advice, at PFF underscore Sam, send them a tweet, help them out. All right, we're going to go through all of the week 17 scenarios. We'll week do it a little 17. bit. We're little, here. A little bit different this week. Okay. Instead of, we'll go game by game. But obviously there are some games that mean absolutely nothing. There are. So we're going to touch on the playoff scenarios and we'll go conference by conference. So let's start in the AFC where there is a battle mostly for the six and seven seeds. So you're, for your seeding right now, number one's locked in. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. They're resting right. their guys. Wild card spots. Who's making the playoffs is the AFC relevant thing mostly. Right. So you've got a battle between Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts, Baltimore Ravens, Miami Dolphins, and Cleveland Browns. Did I get everybody? Uh, yes. The uh, worst yeah. team in this scenario is the Colts, correct? Because if all in, of those teams yeah. win, the Colts are the odd man out. Right. The Colts are the team that potentially needs the most help because they rely on an upset somewhere, right? If everyone wins, the Colts need a shock somewhere for them to get in. And if you look at the various 
teams. Like that, that's not necessarily likely to happen. So let's go through their individual games. Start with Pittsburgh at Cleveland. And Cleveland right now is favored by nine and a half. And that's because Big Ben is sitting. Other Steelers are going to be sitting. They've made the decision. There, There is a scenario where the Steelers could get the number two seed mm-hmm. over the Buffalo Bills. Bills lose, Steelers win, and um, other stuff happens. But they don't care. The Steelers have decided they don't care. There's no buy at stake. So they're resting Big Ben, getting him healthy because he's old. Which is an interesting decision when you consider the funk they've been in for the majority of the last month, right? They kind of caught fire. Not even caught fire. They got themselves together at the end of the the Colts game. Execute the comeback, throw a few deep passes in there, show them that that's still a thing. Finally look a bit more like the Steelers from the 11-0 run than they did from the bad run of defeats. But... You know, you're basically saying, okay, that half got us back. We're good. We're set. And being healthy is more important than making sure we have ourselves together, which is, I mean, it's a, it's a decision. I mean, I think there's other decisions we can discuss here, too. Kansas City is going to rest everybody. Yep. And they already have a bye. Yes. So they're going to have two, uh, three weeks off, really, for uh, Pat, well, two full weeks off, right. three, game, three weeks in between games. For Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek, and a bunch of their starters. And they have a long history in doing that. Right? They do. They're, they're one of the teams that traditionally rest people in meaningless games more than any other team. And for a recent example of that, that was Mahomes' first game, right? Alex Smith led this team to the postseason. Week 17 against Denver, this meaningless game, hmm. was the first debut of Patrick Mahomes, the first we got to see of him. Do you think we'll see history repeat itself? Chad Henney comes in, becomes Hall of Famer. I'm just saying if Chad Henney comes in and this balls is the, out. This is the year yeah. Chad Henney finally puts it all together. You flip Patrick Mahomes in the offseason and build around Chad Henney. First start since 2014, I think, for Chad Henney. He's well-rested. He is. This, is. this is the year. All right, let's get back to this Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. Uh, so Mason Rudolph's getting the start for the Steelers. Mm. Um, the Browns are obviously trying to win. The, uh, the hot tub gang is probably coming back. The, the receivers. Hot tub gang? Oh, the hot tub gang. Right. Group. The is hot tub group. The group of receivers yeah that was in the hot i mean tub. you just said that like it was like a well-known you know no i made it up on thing. the fly yeah that everyone would be aware of made it up on the fly um i'm not biased or anything but i would love to see the cleveland browns play a playoff game so yeah kind of rooting for this thing to happen if they win they're in biggest game in recent browns history does it lose a little luster because the steelers are playing their backup not really they just just win and get in there browns right i mean they don't care right for no. Cleveland, they just want to get in the playoffs for it, it, it loses luster for anybody watching it i mean it's not browns playing the steelers in week 17 where both teams had something to play for especially given the way things had been trending at least until cleveland you know laid an egg against the the jets would have been really interesting right browns on fire steelers struggling relatively albeit coming off a win that would have been a really interesting encounter now pittsburgh no big band they're presumably going to rest a lot of other people as well or at least limited action it should be a comfortable browns win on the other hand nothing would be more cleveland browns than finding a way to lose to mason rudolph with a win and in scenario to get to break your playoff drought and god like when was the last time they made it this would be the most browns loss ever if they did since 1994 god the uh weren't even a that's that's old Browns, right? That's, that's pre the old Browns. pre comeback Browns. The 1999 expansion Cleveland Browns has never been to the postseason. Correct. Uh, no, sorry, they mm-hmm. were right. 2002. Yeah, yeah, they made it once. Sorry, yeah, I, I lied. Okay, Kelly Holcomb, the Kelly Holcomb Browns. The Kelly Holcomb. That was like Browns. 02, I believe it was. Sorry, I didn't mean to also, lie. Also, by the way, the other storyline in this game: Miles Garrett 
Mason Rudolph. Two. Yes. Will One there be resulting in brain? You know. Will there be a being brained by a helmet? A bad. Uh, I mean, will there be round two? If nothing else, <laughs> you would have to imagine that Miles Garrett wants to ball the hell out in this game and have the game of his life against the Steelers' offensive line. So the interesting thing about the NFL versus other sports is you don't have the roster depth to actually rest everybody. So like all 22 starters for the Steelers aren't right. going to be on the bench. Now defensively, can you limit TJ Watt, Cam Hayward? Can you limit some of those guys? Absolutely, but they're going to have to play a little bit. You can't just roll three backup defensive linemen out there and two backup edge rushers and just say, hey, go play, you know, 60, 70 snaps. So you will see some Steelers in this game. So I still – I'm going to go back to Baker Mayfield and this Baker's uh, this Browns offense going up against it, – it, it's a good def, it's a good Steelers defense, whether they're resting guys or not. And I mentioned last week, you laughed at me in the preview show, when I said the Jets game – I mean, I do that a lot. The Jets game said more about Kevin Stefanski than – the Steelers game and they blew it man they blew it they blew an opportunity um and put themselves into this must win they also situation. didn't have any wide receivers I understand so there was there were factors there but you you know you said you lost coach of the year because of that game so obviously it did mean something yeah I mean you'll notice here that I'm prepared to latch onto anything that backs up my argument and dismiss anything ah. that doesn't so on that particular occasion it suited me to mock you with that data point always overall it doesn't always anyway what are your thoughts on this game? Is it it's Browns by nine and a half points? So yeah. everybody's expecting it's a lot of points. To win. It's a lot of points. It's a game the Browns should win. They should win comfortably. They're getting receivers back. They should be able to execute a game plan that functions. Um, I think this is this is the game that you were saying the Jets game was right, which is it's like a test to actually prove what you are as a franchise. Right, the Browns should be a playoff team this season. They've been good enough to make the playoffs for most of the year. And here is a game presented in your path between you and the postseason that you should comfortably win. It should be easy, should be one of the, the easier games you've had. All you need to do is to not trip over that bar and fall face first in the muck before you make the postseason. Now, that's still an achievement, right? You still need to pick your feet up and clear the bar however low it is, but like it's, it's a potential banana skin. So for Cleveland, I think this is that game where here's the here's the one tiny little thing you need to achieve before you make the postseason for the first time in a long time can you do that or are you still the browns that's basically what this is is a test to see if this team is really still the browns or if they've actually turned a corner and become something better all right well ronnie harrison expected back for the browns in the back end um, i'm expecting them to win they do still have a scenario to make the playoffs even if they lose so they're playing at one o'clock the nfl does a really nice job of trying to you know limit dependent games and all that stuff and not play you know play them at the same time um so if pittsburgh does win this game cleveland can get in if indianapolis loses or if houston loses um, but if the ravens titans and colts all win and the browns lose yeah it's all they can also yeah they they can all they can get in with a few weird scenarios as well like they can miami can win and they still get in like they just there's a few permutations but oh, i forgot about miami too yeah, yeah they do need they need help essentially if they lose right so there's still way. scenarios but the uh the browns are looking like they're in good shape is that am i gonna come back and I my mean, words no because this is one of those things that can be true both before and after the fact right even if they fall flat in their face and they don't make the postseason as of right now they are looking good for that position 
it was it's an easy hurdle to clear it doesn't mean they're going to clear it you know who else was looking good was the las vegas raiders when they had 93 percent win probability against the miami dolphins yeah. on saturday night as well feeling good about that scenario however Miami won, and here they are. They have a chance to win and get in. They're at Buffalo. Buffalo's favored by two. The rumors that now again, Buffalo is all but assured of the two seed. Mm -hmm. Most scenarios have Buffalo at number two. As we mentioned, Pittsburgh has some other scenarios, but they're not even playing for it. The rumors coming out of Buffalo is that uh, Josh Allen and his crew, a lot of the starters there, are going to be rested after a series or two, and that's going to be their strategy. Yeah. Get a little bit of work in, take and then take the rest of the game off and get ready for wild card weekend mm -hmm. what are you looking for and so and then Tua starting for Miami again yep. don't forget about the PFF daily we went in depth about what we would do between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua uh, so Miami has a path to victory here yeah yes um, and I think if it was me that's the strategy I think I would employ in terms of this resting versus playing uh, decision that teams have to make in week 17 I would probably start my starters at least get them playing a game and then pull them at some point right now i don't know if i would give it a series or two or if i give them a half or whatever but get them out of there before the end of the game you know it, reduce their exposure to injury even if you don't eliminate it but still it's not a bye week it shouldn't be a bye week for those guys i don't think um so yeah i think miami has something to play for they I don't think it's going to be an easy game against Buffalo, but you have to assume at some point when they pull those starters and they throw in backups, Miami's path to winning that game in the second half becomes pretty advantageous, even even if Tua is your quarterback and you don't have to turn to the, the relief hitter in uh, in Fitzpatrick. Do, relief pitcher. Relief do, pitcher? Yeah. Do we have – it's a pinch hitter. Sorry. Or yeah. relief pitcher. Apologies. Do we have Josh Allen and Tua leaving the game at the same time? <laughs> No, because... Here comes Matt, and then it becomes right. Matt Barkley versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, the second Josh Allen goes out, you're going to be like, oh, Tua's job just got easier. Yeah. Um, so Miami's in with a win, obviously. Or Baltimore, Cleveland, or Indianapolis has to lose. So they've got a bunch of uh, or scenarios. They're also in pretty good shape. Like right. So, But at the same time, we're going to talk about those other games, like the chances of Baltimore losing. We already mentioned Cleveland. They're favored by a lot. Indianapolis is favored by 14 against Jacksonville. You can't hope that those massive upsets happen. You have to take care of business. Of all those four teams, Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Indianapolis, Miami's got the toughest game. Mm -hmm. They've got the closest spread at two points. And Because, again, we don't know for sure how much Buffalo is going to play their starters and then the same point with Pittsburgh you can't bench everyone right you can't take everybody out you only have seven or eight offensive linemen on the roster so you'll have linemen you'll have defensive players people have to play football so it's not like you're just playing you know like week four preseason game here so mm -hmm. um does Miami take care of business here or you know of all these games are you expecting a, a massive upset in anyone no but I mean do you you typically don't expect massive upsets. That's why they're massive upsets. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I, I think Miami probably wins this game. I think they've played hard all season long. They've got something to play for. This is a team that wants to make the playoffs. They've shown that all season long with how they've dealt with the quarterback situation and this whole um, you know, rotation or, or benching of Tua. They want to make the postseason. I think they're good enough to do that. And particularly, like, you know, the second, like, unless they have unless Buffalo has a monster lead at the point where Josh Allen, you know, gets pulled ashore and told to sit down, I think that this defense is going to cause problems for Matt Barkley to the degree that, you know, 
they should be able to win late on. The thing I mentioned in the daily, and I think, you know, we saw this down the stretch in the Raiders game when Ryan Fitzpatrick made a couple big time throws down the field. Like that has been the difference between Tua and Fitzpatrick this year. There are some numbers and measures like QBR is loving Ryan Fitzpatrick so far this season. His QBR is top 10 in the NFL. And, um, passing grade though for pff in the 20s so there are numbers that love fitzpatrick what we don't love about him is the turnover worthy plays but the difference between him and tua is fitz throwing 12 big time throws and again even the non-big time throws it's the jump balls right it's the Mm -hmm. things that we've talked about for years the yolo balls that um, just give the mike gusecki's and Devontae parkers of the world you know chances to make plays tua only has four big time throws this entire season compared to 11 turnover-worthy plays. And I'm hearing a lot of Tua analysis that like, well, he's taking care of the ball. What's he at? Like he has like two actual right. interceptions. He's got better turnover luck than than <laughs> all the guys we've been trashing for having turnover luck. The Mahomes of the world, the Jalen Hurts of the world. Tua is having incredible turnover luck. And that's what's you know knocked his grade down to only 63, just above Drew Locke so far this season. Yeah. Um, the Tua, it hasn't been a great season for Tua. And I know, you know, year one, coming back off a devastating injury, et cetera, et cetera. It's, and he's a rookie. You know, we're, Our perception, I think, has been kind of broken of what rookie quarterbacks are supposed to look like You know, by yeah. the guys that have been really good right out of the gate. It, it makes you think that everybody should be like that, but most quarterbacks aren't. And I think not only is our perception skewed, but like that changes how the NFL thinks of it as well. So now you're expecting your quarterback to look great right out of the gate, and if he doesn't, it, it's a ticking uh, alarm clock for when you have to – pull him ashore and, and throw in another guy so it's not been a great rookie season for Tua on the other hand you know maybe you didn't expect it to be and hope that you see giant leaps forward next year but which is why isn't it crazy that he's getting the start in a must-win game no it's crazy no it's I've not. completely changed my tune on it okay go listen to the daily I'm all in on fits for uh for Miami here hmm. so that's what they should be doing I think Miami wins it because of the benching factor. Are you surprised that Baltimore, that Buffalo is still favored by two? Like I said, it's only a rumor that right. Allen and the starters are going to be resting. Yeah, and I think that's why, right? You've got a hedge that if they do, if they do play a serious amount, particularly if they play like, you know, if those guys play a half or three quarters or whatever it is, and they just get them out of there before the fourth, like the way Buffalo's playing right now, they could have 35 points at that stage, and suddenly Miami is in a deep hole. And even if they do bench them and throw in Matt Barkley, like how hard is it to maintain a 35 to 10 lead in the last quarter? All right, well, I'm going to take Miami to win this and uh, obviously cover as the underdogs. Let's go to the the AFC South matchup, Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans, the first AFC South matchup. So Titans, uh, where are they as far as scenarios go? They obviously need to win uh, or they need an Indianapolis loss. So their, their two scenarios are essentially just the AFC South division title. Yeah. I mean, it's either or Titans or Colts for the division. Titans control their own destiny, so they need to win. Or Tennessee could tie. If both teams tie, oh, God. Tennessee's in. We're, okay, that's the last tie scenario that we'll put out there. <laughs> um, so Tennessee is controlling their own dentist, uh, destiny, and Derrick Henry is going for his third straight 200-yard game against the Texans. Huh. And, you know, it's the Texans, so you can easily see that happening. Um, yeah, the, the Titans are in pretty good shape in that if all those teams win, the teams vying for the wild card, they not only get in, but they win the division as well. Yeah. Um, so they are in pretty good shape, uh, and they're facing the Texans' defense. So they're in exceptionally good shape. 
really the only danger for the Tennessee is that Deshaun Watson becomes superhuman in this game and does something insane to the point where they get shocked and then they might have some issues. Yeah, not to hammer home the same point we've made a lot throughout the year, but I'm going through the Texans. I'm kind of like auditing their roster and um, looking forward to you know, for the GM job, Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you audit the roster and you look at just where they rank this year, number four passing grade as a team, number seven receiving grade as a team. So like in order of what's most important for winning, yeah, they're they, in good shape. They should be good until you get to coverage unit yeah. 27th pass rush 25th pass blocking 11th perfect that, like our 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 you know way to build an offense they're doing a good job of that it's just everything else is so bad run defense is 30th so yes that's why derrick henry could rush for 200 again run blocking 25th um so yeah they're bad they're really bad in some key areas that are the extreme level of bad yeah it's it's funny because some of the things Bill O'Brien was doing to build this roster were actually the right way of going about it, right? In terms of you're actually targeting the right things. It's just that every time you come up to a, like a, a negotiation of price, you gave away the farm, right? So like Laramie Tunsil at left tackle is a pretty important piece and a good player to lock down and be guaranteed of that quality left tackle. But at the point where the price became like all of your possessions and your firstborn and you know 50 percent of anything you earn in the future from here until the end of time you probably should have walked away and not done the deal Um, and yet every time that happened he just kept signing it up right and mortgaging everything for all these players so now you've got this situation where they're they have got some strengths you've got you know are if you were starting a franchise tomorrow right and obviously the first thing you do is take the quarterback Mahomes is number one right every single person in the world would take Mahomes as the first player in the NFL if you were redrafting a franchise from scratch tomorrow Deshaun Watson might be number two right he's young right there in terms of just that step below Patrick Mahomes of overall quality he might be the second foundational piece in the entire NFL to build around and you've got him, you've got a quality left tackle, you've got some pieces in place, and then nothing else, and no resources to build anything else and assemble it. So, yeah, it's, it's just... It's absolutely the, the crux of the issue, <sighs> to your point, was the return yeah. on all of those trades. Jadavian Clowney, bringing in Laramie Tunsil, what you paid out, um, and then you know trading DeAndre Hopkins, what you, what you brought back. If, if, they, if they got rid of Clowney and got rid of Hopkins and got first rounders or got it's like they just got higher round on picks every or, single negotiation right, right. both in both directions or didn't accept david johnson right and, and instead got something else of value right if they had done that all these other pieces on the roster would have been better but i think is it crazy to think because it, it, bill o'brien's been fired and you know oh he's the butt of jokes so you, he, there, there's no way he did anything good is it crazy to think though that to your point before the season the way they built this offense did actually help Watson's development, right? I mean, it did. Hmm. The way they built the, the offensive line the last couple of years and improved it, and the way they spread the wealth from a playmaker standpoint, instead of just focusing on one guy, like those steps were good. The problem is they had no resources to do anything else. Well, also, we tend to think in terms of um, making a guy's life easier is better for his development, right? And particularly with quarterbacks. And we've made this point as well. It's not that it's wrong. The, the idea that if you surround a guy with better supporting cast, he becomes better. He gets he plays better, right? Because 
wide receivers that are open all the time are easier to throw to than wide receivers that are not. Um, it's easier to play from a clean pocket than it is to play when you're running for your life every single snap. So we work on this basis that if you have a quarterback with a set level, if you improve everything else around him, he will be better because of that. On the other hand, life generally works with, you learn from failure, right? You learn from struggling, you learn from challenges, you learn from disadvantageous positions. So there's a there's a world where if you make a guy's life as difficult as possible that's actually the best thing you can do for his for him to to maximize what he can do right and that it's not that I, i'm not even saying that this is a good way of approaching anything right because clearly like deconstructing a roster around a quarterback to aid his development feels like a pretty sketchy strategy but if you have a guy that's good enough to be able to battle through that and you know remember his own coach coming out was comparing this guy to Michael Jordan, right? So let's assume for a moment that Deshaun Watson is a very, very rare specimen in terms of mentality, in terms of makeup, in terms of athlete, removing all of the help around him and sort of enforcing him to do everything by himself might have actually catapulted this guy's development into a completely different stratosphere. Now, if you reassemble everything around him and you do what you should have done in the first place in terms of build around any general quarterback like dude Deshaun Watson could be Patrick Mahomes level special if you then give him the stuff that Patrick Mahomes has to work with in part because of how badly you screwed him in the first place yeah there, there's so much I mean this is it's Watson's best season I think people need to acknowledge that don't look just at the record hmm and uh who would do that who would do that say that he's overrated come on now deshaun watson tearing it up so not a top um, 10 quarterback according all, to all that said <clears throat> the uh tennessee titans look like they should be able to handle yeah. the, the, the texans here they'll move the ball through the air and on the ground against this texans d this is the perfect game for tennessee in terms of look this offense has gone as far as those special athletes will take them and the special athletes should take them quite away against the Houston or yeah against the Houston Texans defense one anecdote from uh, our friend Mike Clay over at ESPN former uh -huh. PFF fantasy analyst Vernon Hargraves he tracks um he tracks fantasy points against cornerbacks okay Vernon Hargraves has given up the most fantasy points in the last two years over each of the last two years yeah man there's not a draft miss that hurts me more than Vernon Hargraves than Vernon who looked so good at Florida and has not had one redeeming season yet in the nfl um seven and a half is the spread here i think houston can keep it tight for the reasons you said plus yeah. jj watt had a speech last week so they'll definitely play inspired mm. but i like the titans to win this same yeah i think deshaun watson is too good for that spread to be as big as it is i think um but probably not good enough to spring an upset so they've put this game at four in the 425 window at the same time as the jaguars and colts the colts are taking all the games off the scoreboard Philip Rivers did admit that he likes to watch a little uh, DirecTV on a, a little Sunday ticket on his phone, so he'll be oh, keeping yeah? track during the 1 o'clock games. Huh. But um, presumably not in between series, um, no. keeping, keeping tabs on the Tennessee game. But they need, the, the, the Colts need the Titans to lose, as we said, uh, to win the division. But the Colts are also 14-point favorites over number one overall picking Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and the, so the Colts are the only team in this AFC playoff picture that is not winning in, right? They're right. the only team that actually requires some help. Now, that being said, they can still win the division. Right. <laughs> they, they win and Tennessee lose, they still win the division. They win and somebody else loses in this, this round robin. They still make the playoffs. 
but they do need that help. There are eight scenarios in which Indianapolis could win the number four seed. I mean, it's really one. I mean, they win and um, Tennessee loses, but there's only, there's three random scenarios in which um, Indianapolis could get the seven seed. So it is... They just uh, need very one of those likely. other teams in that battle to lose. Doesn't matter which one. Any of them lose and you win, you're in. It's uh, it's very unlikely. Yeah. So uh, by the way, Tennessee could also, <clears throat> Tennessee by the way could also get in with a Baltimore loss or a Miami loss. Yeah. So they're they're like you, they're winning in. They're but in the also, same situation except they hold a tiebreaker over the Colts. So if they win, they're in. Right. Indianapolis needs the win plus a loss from either Baltimore or Cleveland, Miami and all these other teams. Uh-huh. Um, any chance the Jaguars pull this upset again? Because remember, the they beat them in week right. one. <laughs> they did the first time around. Um, the Jags are starting Mike Lennon, the quarterback, having sealed the tank job already. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, no, right? This should be – there has to be a chance because they already lost to them, but this should be an, Indias, an Indianapolis win and pretty comfortable. Like – Philip Rivers struggles against good defenses generally. Doesn't typically struggle against bad defenses. And Jacksonville's defense, if anything, has gotten worse over this over the course of the year. Now he did have a pretty bad game against Jacksonville the first time. He was okay outside, but he had some really bad turnover in the right. plays that. But it was based almost entirely off a couple of like horrendous decisions. Right? right. Outside of those, he played pretty well. So if he doesn't do that again this time, it like they should walk him walk over them, right? All that said, uh, all the highs and lows that we've talked about with Rivers this year, dead smack in the middle, 16th PFF passing grade right now. And uh, Anthony Costanzo out for the season. He's been banged up, hasn't been playing. I mean, that's one of the stories for the Colts as well. If they're going to go into the playoffs and do some damage, the fact that their offensive line has been heard and hasn't played up to par in the second half of the season is one of those storylines to watch. But I think they'll take care of business against the Jags. Man, I say that a lot. Mm. They'll win. Take care of business. Yeah. Fundamentally, that's, I say that. That's going to become a meme. It's going to be a meme. Shout out to uh, that guy. Yeah. Give that guy some credit. What's his name? NFL underscore PFF at on Twitter. So at NFL underscore PFF. He is not associated with the show, by no, the way. But whose subtitle, like his name um, is PFF NFL podcast memes. And the guy has just been spooling up all kinds of memes about the podcast. And frankly, they're pretty funny. So. You know, it says he's future friend of the show. I think he's there. And now he, he could it? just be taking a whole bunch of jabs at us and making fun of us, but he's, you know, to be essentially honest, doing the marketing for us. So. The jabs are funny, so... Oh, I don't care about the jab. Right, fine. the jabs are funny, and there's enough of them about you that I'm prepared to roll with it anyway. What? People used to think that we hate each other because you would always make comments like that. Yeah. And then I feel like we've... We've grown these last couple of years, and you're just back at repaired the damage, and now I'm just yeah. well. Look, I'm sleep deprived, got a puppy, so I'm just I'm taking it oh, out. Oh yeah, on real yeah. crotchety Irish guy now. <laughs> um, so yeah, PFF podcast memes guy is doing uh, a good job as our um, and like de facto marketing team. What I like the most about it is that like other people have started chipping in and throwing them, you know, adding him and us with them. Yeah, like, more than him now are creating these podcast memes, and frankly, I'm all for it. I didn't know we were so memeable. Yeah, it turns out we are. There's a lot of there's a lot of pretty funny memes out there. I like the Western and Southern one. That yeah, was good. That I was good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to Packers Titans. That was good. <laughs> anyway, check out podcast meme guy, current friend of the show. NFL to, uh, underscore PFF is his Twitter. Handle. If he wants to accept our friendship, uh, the other AFC game that matters: Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Ravens are favored by 13. Um, if you just go back, look, we don't hit on every single prediction, but the prediction. We had discussed a few weeks back where it's like Baltimore is going to win out, mm. and they're and at the end of this they're going to be eleven and five, 
And we're going to go into the playoffs with them as a wildcard team. And people are going to be saying, look at these Ravens. They look like last year's Ravens. That has happened. Um, and it, they'll, they'll win against the, uh, the Bengals is my prediction, Sam. Not if Brandon Allen balls out the way he did last week. Dude, he really did. Five big time throws, zero turnover worthy plays. Brandon Allen randomly in week 16 of the NFL season turned into Patrick Mahomes for a day. Touch throws, cover two shots. I mean, it was a lot of outside the numbers type stuff. Also, by the way, Brandon Allen. Had a pretty good little career at Arkansas. He wasn't a bad player. But then, but then he had small hands, so he, had he little, wrote him off. Little teeny hands, but yeah. he stretched him out. Yeah. And once he stretched him out, he, well, know, he claims he, he kept his uh, spot in the NFL. He claims so. Uh, a lot was made of that, right? He had the hand massage to stretch out the the connective tissue and lengthen the hands. Right. What he claims is that it's just they measure it differently, right? When you're at the Senior Bowl, you hold the hand up like this, and they just stretch a tape measure between it. But when you're at the Combine... questioning science. When you get the Combine, right, you, it's done on a table, so you get to be like, and lean it out and stretch it yourself. So that's where, like, he claims that's where the extra half inch or whatever it was he found was. Yes, but we also spoke... They did some work, though, in between, too. They still... They did massage it out. They did stretch yeah, it out, but, too. But his claim is that actually that was overblown, and really the difference is, instead of just holding your hand up in the air, he got to, like, wrench it out himself on the table. Uh, hand size amazing anyway Brandon Allen balled out last week it'll be a, but going up against the Ravens yeah, defense again versus ever. the Texans defense could be a challenge yeah it, it feels like one of those you know once <laughs> once in a lifetime things like that was Brandon Allen's career high watermark he should probably just retire at this point it's never happening again um but you know Baltimore's defense is missing a lot of guys they're vulnerable in a way they haven't been for a lot of the season so you know maybe this could be uh, so um Geno Atkins is has been placed on injured reserve. He's out, obviously, but AJ Green could be his yeah goodbye swan song to Cincinnati. So do he's they, actually shown you know signs of life the last couple of weeks as well. I was telling you, he's going to have a a fits like possession receiver a couple of years to wrap yeah, up his career. I don't know about that, but you know some signs of life. And I mean, it helps. Again, it's like when you have a quarterback that suddenly turns into like Joe Montana for a game. It's a lot easier for the wide receiver to look good. Um, also, you've got um, Carl Lawson has been one of the best pass rushers who's hitting free agency right now. We're going right. to be doing a ton of free agency work. Uh, and like coming the only, up. The only viable threat on that defense. Yeah. So, I mean, if, <clears throat> if the Bengals have a few players. Jess, Jesse Bates still playing well. He's go, If you're just looking from like a PFF standpoint, he's trying to lock up being the highest graded safety for this year. So there's a couple storylines from that perspective yeah. for and the Jesse, Bengals. Jesse Bates has made more plays on the football than any other free safety in the NFL. Now, he had a bad game, I think, last week because he missed like five tackles. Missed a ton of tackles, yeah. But um, like Jesse, for a team that likes to target the middle of the field, like Baltimore, Jesse Bates is like a dangerous guy to have patrolling the middle there and you know potentially turn up with a big play uh, out of the blue. Jesse Bates, keep an eye on him when uh, Mark Andrews is patrolling the middle. But 13-point spread, I think Baltimore probably covers it as well. They're rolling. They're feeling like, like last year. Remember the last time they played the Bengals too? They were chucking it like crazy. Lamar threw the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but Baltimore's running it better this time around, and I think they will again in this one. So um, ultimately, are you expecting Indianapolis to be the odd team out here? Are we expecting all of the other favorites plus Miami to win? All the teams that are going for a playoff spot, are you expecting them all to win? Indy wins as well, but they're the odd team out. Yes. So nothing uh, crazy. So nothing really crazy and out of the ordinary is going to happen. 
No. Obviously, there's a chance that, that it goes the other way, but I think the Colts are the most likely team to miss out based off what we know heading into this this slate. Okay. I agree. I agree with that. But, you know, remember the the week, the the year the Bengals beat the Ravens? Oh, and... Yeah. I mean, the last couple of weeks has shown us yeah. that, like, in, even when you think everything is locked up, madness can happen. Like, the Browns lost to the Jets. The Rams lost. Like, the, anything crazy can go, can happen. So no crazy predictions for you? No, I mean, just because anything crazy can happen doesn't mean it's the most likely scenario. So, All right. I'm going to go most likely scenario, too. I think Indy ends up as the odd team out here in the AFC. The other AFC team games that are happening, the New York Jets at the New England Patriots, Patriots by three. Uh, sounds like Cam Newton's still going to start. We just had a, a breakdown this week about the Patriots and the Bills. We crowned the Bills, the kings of the AFC East in the uh, on the PFF Daily. Um, and then discussed what the Patriots should be doing going forward. So you guys can go listen to that for more Patriots analysis. But yeah, they're just rounding out the schedule here. And it's uh, maybe a little surreal to see the Patriots in this position at this time of the year. Yeah. It, is this one where they really try hard? Because however embarrassing and ignominious the rest of the season has been, losing to the Jets in Week 17 would be like the crowning, you know. Yeah, I mean, you you try hard because you're a play Like all the players... It, it's I mean it's their job right it's the yeah. thing JJ Watt was talking about in his interview it's their job and it's like this is the film teams are looking at when they're evaluating you like you have to go out there and, and work um, the Jets have a shot here though because they are playing a little bit better these last couple weeks it does sound like Adam Gase will be out that's not a big surprise but Belichick hates the Jets so yeah, yeah. he's gonna have them that's what I mean he'll have them ready to go like he hates the Jets and the Patriots they're not good right they're struggling but can you imagine like struggling and losing in week 17 to the Jets, a team you hate and a team who also sucks, by the way, even though they've won a couple of games and like taking themselves out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, the Jets are bad. So I, I can't imagine even whatever else has happened this season, right? It's been bad. Bill Belichick has been kind of embarrassed. The Tom Brady thing is starting to get out of control in terms of narrative, right? It's all Brady. Belichick's a fraud. He's got a losing record outside of Tom, yada, 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 right? None of that would hurt him as much as losing the Jets in Week 17 at the end of this massive season. It's a good point. And we didn't mention this on the Daily, but I think it's fascinating that Belichick has actually opened up and been honest about stuff this year. Yeah. And has actually made comments <laughs> like, yeah, like we went for it for a couple of years and we're paying for it this and year. By we the way, it worked. Players. Yeah, of course it worked. We, we, we went for it. Yeah. We sold out for a run, for a window. And by the way, we won three Super Bowls in that window. Like, yeah. it, it was kind of successful. It is crazy that he has to, like, remind people, have you seen the last 20 years? Those count. Well, like, it's okay yeah. if we have a transition year. Now, next year at this time, there's debates in New England. Could Belichick be on the hot seat next year at this time That's if they have absurd. six wins? Teams teams take crap for – and teams actually use the justification that, hey, we loaded up for a run. We took a shot. You know, it was our one-year window, right? We, we were all-in for that year, and it didn't quite happen, right? We lost in the, the championship game, whatever. Like Minnesota, right? The Vikings. We, lo we went all-in for that 2017 season, and we came up just short. We lost in the NFC championship game, but, you know, that was why. We, we took our shot. We were really good. We didn't quite make it. The Patriots took the same shot, only they won three Super Bowls based off it, and he's still taking crap at the end of it. It's like, you know, come on. Anyway, I expect New England to win this one. Again, don't forget, went down to the wire with the Jets the first time around. Uh, the other couple AFC games you've got uh, in the West, the Chargers at the Chiefs. Chad Henney starting for the Chiefs. Mahomes sitting. Uh, all of their stars are going to be sitting. So that has the Chargers favored by three and a half at yeah. Kansas City. 
The one thing that I hate about Week 17, though, is we lose. The, remember, the Chargers did a really nice job against that Chiefs offense back in Week 2, it was. Um, so you kind of lose that that rematch and all that stuff. You don't get to see Herbert again against you know real Kansas City, go head-to-head with Mahomes or whatever. But, yeah, I can see the Chargers winning this game. I am sad that we didn't get to see the sort of full effect of how much the line would move, right? Because I think essentially everyone always assumed that either Chad Henney was going to start or that even if he even if it was Mahomes like enough other people were missing it didn't mean anything for Kansas City like Travis Kelsey Tyreek Hill whatever they were always going to rest enough people that this line was never a true reflection of what it would be you know in a random middle of the season game right. facing each other right but you know Chad Henney effectively is a replacement level player according to our data Patrick Mahomes is worth the most to any betting line of any player in the NFL something like 10 points so it just would have been fun to see how much the line moved the second like it was announced that actually Chad Henney is going to be starting this game. Um, but it's something like that. It's double-digit points. Probably it's going at to least, swing. at least 10 uh, points or you so. You add in the fact that a bunch of other people are missing as well, and that's why all of a sudden like the Chiefs aren't even favorites for the game. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's the story, right? This is Kansas City's backups, not Kansas City. Yeah. Um, again, so the only talking point here is how would you handle this if you're the Chiefs? Would you would you rest everybody completely? So now you have this week off, you have next week off, not playing football essentially for 20 straight days. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you can't rest everybody. Some people have got to play. Um, I I don't... I think there's, a, there's an argument to be had that giving everybody a bye week is a good thing. Um, but the point you made earlier is the important one. They already have a bye week. Like, they're the one team out there in terms of seeding in the AFC that already has a bye secured. They're getting a week off. And, you know, he, so much of the NFL is that is important that by week you get an extra week to rest, you get everybody healthy and 100%. But at the point where you already have one, is it really a great idea to have a second one and introduce the idea of, you know, of uh, rust? I, like, I don't think rust is an issue with one week off, right? Because the benefits of getting a bye week and extended rest and, and recuperation time massively outweighs any kind of you know, rust you're going to pick up over that time and just not being 100%. So generally, I don't have a problem with the team going, well, we're rolling into week 17. doesn't mean anything. We're going to sit everybody. But at the point where you already have that buy secured, I think you're at least introducing the potential element of we might not hit the ground running when we come back in three weeks' time. Yeah, I don't think it matters a whole lot. (laughs) I really don't. I mean, the Patriots always played their guys or they play them a half. A lot of teams will play. A lot of teams will sit. I really don't think it matters over time. And the, and the Chiefs will probably win their first game. because, And even if they do start out rusty, they're a better team than whoever they're playing. Yeah. They'll be favored, right? So I don't think it matters a whole lot. So it's a talking point that I've All ignored. Right. Fine. And then uh, point, Las Vegas at Denver. Hey, guys. Life is full of questions. Like, what would happen to my family if something happened to me? Am I saving enough for retirement? And is now the right time to start thinking about life insurance? Just to name a few. No one should have to settle for answers to these life-altering questions that involve gray areas or leaving things to chance. And with Western and Southern, you won't have to. Backed by over 130 years of experience gathering insights, building strategies, and helping customers choose the right solutions, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Raiders at the Broncos. Derek Carr, Drew Locke, head-to-head. We've got the Raiders by two and a half in this one. 
and uh, it just doesn't mean anything other than it's another little tryout for uh, Drew Locke's future. Yeah, it means, I think, some, the, the Raiders, I think, still want to... <laughs> Will Jerry want, Judy catch the ball? That's right. Question. The Raiders, I think, want to finish this season in a way that isn't embarrassing, which hasn't happened for a, a few weeks now. Like, this was a team that was in that playoff picture with Cleveland, Baltimore, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Miami. The Raiders were right there and then took themselves out of it by a bunch of sequential ugly losses. Um, so I think they want to at least end the season well and be like, all right, something to build on for the future Denver really is all about Drew Locke can he show something again this week every time he showed something this season his receivers have let him down or he just he hasn't had the reward statistically um, last week it was Jerry Judy not catching anything the, remember the last time he had a great game it was like perfect dime to Albert O in the back of the end zone the ball just comes out at the end you know wrenched out by a DB right like when he showed something this year he hasn't been rewarded and you if you went back and looked at the box scores you wouldn't identify the right games that he's played well like he just he's been screwed when he's played well on the other hand most of the time he's been the guy screwing his receiving core and his supporting cast so can can they get both of those showing up in the same game in week 17 right jerry judy catching the ball drew lock giving him the ball and suddenly everything looks good i, I think that's that's worthwhile as far as watching for that and then i think i think your point on the raiders is a good one because if you're John Gruden, three years here, four and twelve, yep, seven and nine, and they're seven and eight right now. So, how much of a this is like when you go to the combine and the, and there's a difference. I was talking to there's a difference when a scout sees four five nine versus four six, right? Or four 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 nine versus four five. Like it makes a difference in your brain. Yeah. Does it make a difference in your brain if the Raiders finish the season to eight and eight? Rather right. than seven and nine, offense continues to get better, even though the defense has been. Of course it does. Rough. I mean, that's the way. That's why. That's why prices for the since the, the dawn of time have been X ninety nine, right? Because the lower number at the start tricks your brain into thinking it's a different price. You want to know who I was talking to? I honestly couldn't care less. You were waiting for me to talk to. I was waiting for you to drop it. It was so a low I could, level. I could mock you for just a low level dropping. college player who's talking about his forty time. Huh? He's trying um, to get to four, four five nine. Yeah, it, you're right. It, it does make a difference because your brain is stupid. <laughs> it throws out the last two numbers and looks at the one at the start. That's why, like I say, that's why things cost four ninety nine, not five dollars. Because your brain, for some reason, is dumb enough to think that that extra, that penny difference is a whole dollar, and that's not the way it works. So the Raiders are playing for nine ninety nine. They're playing for eight and eight right here. Yep, and it means a lot. So let's go to the NFC in all of their scenarios. They have far more overall scenarios because the number one seed still in play still is up for grabs um so it's between the green bay packers who control their own destiny the new orleans saints and the seattle seahawks mm -hmm. um packers win and they get the number one seed you know that's that's pretty clear um beyond that the saints would need to win have some help the seahawks would need to win and have some help as well uh, Green Bay, the, let's start with the Green Bay game then. They play the Chicago Bears. They're favored by five and a half. And like I said, that Green Bay has to win to secure the number one seed for sure. Also the number two seed. Or number two. But like, I mean, they need to win either way. Right. right? Even if they don't get the number one seed, if they lose and they could the Seahawks win, they can drop all the way to three. So they are fighting to maintain position either direction. Um, but the Bears win and they're in. Yes. And... You know, this is the Trubisky test game. For all of the times that we've been, you've been making fun of Mitchell the last few weeks, playing bad defenses and all that stuff, going up against the Packers in a must-win game yeah. at home. 
we could see a good game here, man. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, Chicago has been rolling, on, and Green Bay's defense is not formidable. I mean, the 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 big thing, like Chicago put up thirty plus points for four straight games, which is the first time since Gale Sayers was carrying the ball for George Hallis that that's happened, right? Like fifty five years ago, whatever it was. But it was built off the slate of the three worst defenses in the NFL and the Vikings, who are, broadly speaking, like the 25th worst defense in the NFL. Um, Green Bay is not that bad, but equally, they're not like a top five defense. So it's a step up. Can Chicago still function and still look like a dominating offense against a defense that's at least viable and not a complete train wreck? Um, If they can't, like, forget it, go home. You're not winning this game. If they can... That makes this game kind of intriguing. Green Bay's safety is playing really well. They got two top 10 safeties, Adrian Amos and then Darnell Savage, who has been an absolute playmaker in recent weeks, kind of showing what uh, we were expecting out of him coming out of Maryland as a first-round pl- uh, first player. Uh, he's got four picks in the last six games. So um, keep an eye on him, patrol in the middle of the field. I think for the Bears, though, uh, we made the point on Monday, like Trubisky has to play well in this game, not play one of those games where – he plays just okay, gets away with some stuff, and the overall stats look good because they have to put up they have to put up thirty points again. Yeah. I believe you know the same way they have the Probably. last couple of years, a couple of weeks, um, and it's going to be more difficult against this Green Bay defense. Yeah, though so their defense is at least capable of slowing down the Packers. Um, it what what's are we getting another snow game? This is Chicago in December. Are we getting AJ Dillon time again? Is you this- get less snow in Chicago than you do Green Bay, right? Like there's there's not a lot of snow games through the years in Chicago. Yeah, I mean. You get snow, but it's more just cold as, you know, cold yeah. as balls. Cold there. and windy and all that stuff. Um, for MVP talk, is there any way that Rodgers can lose the MVP in this game? Eh, no, I don't think because Mahomes, Mahomes isn't playing, right? I Probably not, right? Mahomes made his biggest jump yeah, yeah. in the MVP race that one week that, like— Where he didn't play. He didn't play. Mahomes—Wilson uh, played horribly, and, and Rodgers didn't have a great game. Snow on Friday, but not on Saturday. What about Sunday when the football Sorry, game is? Sunday, I also not. <laughs> God. Great. Thanks uh, also, for the Saturday weather report. I was like, wait, are, are there Saturday games again this year? Also, this no snow on Sunday. So, okay, yeah, good. We shouldn't, shouldn't have a problem in Chicago for snow. So, AJ Dillon, have a seat. Yeah. yeah. We don't need you for this one. But it's cold weather. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I don't, I don't. Because Mahomes isn't playing, I don't think he can jump Rodgers in this game. Like, even if Rodgers. got to throw, like, five picks. And I mean, even if he did, Have right? some fumbles. It's like, and, yeah. Maybe, yeah. If Rodgers had an absolute disaster, if he had another Tampa Bay game in this game, I mean, Mahomes, it would suddenly make it a race, right? It would be Mahomes. And honestly, like if Josh Allen balls out, they leave him in long enough, he's sneaking into the MVP That's true conversation. Too. But that would be... Or Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry off his 200-yard performance. Choo-choo. Derrick Henry MVP. That's why MVP's dumb, but, you know, people yeah, will be because, campaigning for it. Because people <laughs> think that the race is always close and the last thing you saw sways yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Rodgers is far enough ahead that I don't care what he don't does. Don't they already, week. like, vote, like, weeks ago? Like, no, they do it after. Are you sure? Yeah. They'll get their ballots we on, like, ask, Tuesday or We should ask Chris because I've never been he sent. He didn't get his in on time. I've but. never been sent a ballot and asked for advice from people. No? Never. Okay. But when I do, it's usually on that Tuesday or so right after the season. I see. I see. You understand? Um, so, we're expecting Green Bay to win and secure the number one? Yeah. Okay. I am, too. Um, if they win... Again, they have number one. Also, a Seattle loss would secure that uh, number one seed for the Packers. Seattle is playing Arizona? No. What am I 49ers. About? 49ers, sorry. Getting all the NFC West teams mixed up for a second here. 
Uh, we've talked about the Niners a little bit. You know, Kyle Shanahan never having his starting quarterbacks, having to stitch it together. Seattle favored by six at San Francisco. When Russ seems to have those quirky games, it's like those division road games. Do we see another one of those here against San Francisco? Yeah, I mean, the, the 49ers are spoiler and have been for like the back end of the season, right? Their, their season was never really on track because of all the injuries that they've been dealt. So they get to play you know they get to ruin other people's season essentially um is this this game still it's still in arizona right they're not home home oh right yeah i think it has to be um so but i think they're still a live scary threat to screw somebody over like and like seattle um and you know as much as seattle bounced back a little bit i the flaws are still there right the rams defense caused them all kinds of problems on offense Jamal Adams thinks their defense is the best in the NFL. On the hmm. other hand, everybody else seems to be aware that it's still not great. Um, this is there, – there's a threat. They lose this game. Do you have any concerns? Russell Wilson, because we like to do our arbitrary cutoffs. Do you want to hear his numbers since week nine? Yes. Number 19 graded quarterback Ooh. by PFF standards here. Two spots behind Taysom Hill, by the oh, way. Oh, God. So he's number 19 in the grading. He's got a, a passer rating of just 92, uh, 7.1 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And remember, this is a league where the passer rating on average now is like 98. Yeah, well, like not 92 high, in the past yeah. was good. But that's right around that's right around league average, 92. Really? I believe. Yeah. Is it not? I'm pretty sure league average is higher than that. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think you know there are a lot more players at 90. I mean, half the league is at 95 plus. Yes. Whatever. So, um, anyway. Any concerns about the way he's trending after almost a pretty much a record-setting first half of the season yeah. from Russell Wilson where he was playing better than Aaron Rodgers and our highest-graded quarterback in the league? I mean, we said that Russell Wilson was in pole position for MVP because he timed his bad run in the right place, right? He had this dip in the middle of the season. Weeks 9 and 10 were his two worst games of the year, the Buffalo game, the Rams, the first Rams game. And you're like, okay, you get back on track the next week with the Arizona game, and then you, you start cooking again. And by the time people are voting an MVP, they'll have forgotten the two crappy games you had in the middle, and it won't matter. Yeah. But he didn't really get back on track. He's never bounced back to that elite, you know, early season MVP Russell level. Um, his, what, all four of his first four games were graded at 88.8 .8 or higher. Two of them were above 90. He hasn't broken 90 since that first month. He had an 89.4 in that bounce-back game against Arizona, but that's by far the highest grade of the second half of his season. He's had one other game above 80, everything else 70 or below, and a few bad games in there. So, yeah, Russell Wilson is not playing at the level he was playing earlier in the season, and he's not even playing like at a particularly high level. I mean, just compare him to not even MVP candidates, other good quarterbacks. He's not at that level right it, now it really is it's a curious thing because it did look like last year he stepped up his game became one of those quote-unquote top two top three quarterbacks and this year he was there he's taken a step back again they're still dangerous but I think this game ends up close because of that it's not the same dominant Seattle offense now to Jamal Adams point are they the best defense in the league probably no. not I like the way they're trending the last couple weeks but also to the point I made about the Ravens, was that predictable? Was that like, well, you're going up against right. teams that are not as good as what you played earlier on, and you're going to look better. So do you buy into the Seattle defense improving, or do you just buy into, well, they didn't really play a whole lot of good offenses over the last few weeks?
I think it's a big part of that. Um, to be fair, like their defense, people were talking about them as like the worst defense ever when it was never that bad. Right now, in terms of grading, they're ninth in PFF grades. So they're not, you know, they're but not a, a mess. But a big chunk of that is their number one graded run defense, right? Sure. They're, they're, they're good in the wrong places, so to speak. Yeah. So that's that's part of the reason. And when they – the bottom line is the last few weeks they played the Eagles, Colt McCoy's Giants – the Jets, the football team led by Dwayne Haskins, mm-hmm. and then the Rams last week, who you know should be a pretty good offense, but Jared Goff has been horrible. That's why when you sat there after like week 10 or 11, you're like, hey, down the stretch, the Seattle offense or defense is going to look much better. Yeah, they were going on that run of four games that we expected them to be 4-0 in, and then they lost to the Giants randomly. Right. So, I mean, the one thing I will say, I think they're adjusting a little bit more to Jamal Adams. Yeah. I think they're rounding into form, but the bottom line is in the playoffs – the defense has to play the Packers or the Saints or the Bucks or some teams that are just much better offensively. Um, so I'm not ready to completely buy in to their defense. But I think we see a good game. Um, I got Seattle winning and um, maybe even covering that six. But I think now I think it'll be close though. Okay. Think San Francisco to cover? Uh, I, yeah, I could see them causing real problems, like acting spoiler. Okay, so Arizona is going to play at the Rams as yeah. well. The Rams. They're without Jared Goff. Dislocated thumb. John Wolford's making the start. John Wolford's history is pretty good grade at Wake Forest. High 80s, low 90s grade at Wake Forest in college. AAF star. Yes. Yes. And played well in the preseason for the Rams. And I mentioned last week, our guy Zach Robinson used to train him. Used to work with him. And now they're they're on the same team. Yeah, he's excited about him starting. He says he's been looking great. He's texting him. Text him with a guy. You did him. not text him. I did. He said you he's can't. excited. That's that's a crucial information that they're that he's that he's excited that the Cardinals can use against him. That's bullet, bulletin board material. <laughs> John Wolford, the highest graded quarterback in the AAF. Rest in peace. Right. AAF. Uh, everyone was losing their minds over. Uh, no, wait, that's the XFL, right? But John Wolford, higher than Garrett Gilbert, higher than Mettenberger, all those guys in there. John Wolford was the best graded quarterback. I love quarterbacks where. All the data we have on them is good, right? At, at every level, college, yeah. um, you know, random leagues that spool up for half a season, and then preseason. I love just seeing those guys because, all right, it doesn't mean they're going to be good, right? We know that athleticism and size and all these other things play a, a part, but it does mean you should kind of give them a shot at some point, or at least be intrigued when they get a shot because of injury. So, you know, this was the, the case with Nick Mullins as well, right? Like everyone, Nick Mullins gets his shot randomly in a Thursday in the middle of the season. Everyone's like, who is this joke of a quarterback? Why are we being subjected to this? And you're like, well, hang on. Nick Mullins has good grades in college, good grades in preseason. Let's give him a chance and see if this works. And Nick Mullins lights up the Raiders and it like, you know, has become a decent backup, right? I, I think that's the point though. Like in a one game sample, yeah, John Wolford, where there's limited NFL tape, could go out there and play well. Right. If you give him the keys for 16 games, yeah. more more tape and defense was probably adjust to him. He's he, I mean he's not he's a little limited from an arm. He's got a pretty good arm, pretty good athleticism, but you know, he's limited. Um so I think in a one game sample he can execute this offense and do some nice things. I'll tell you this, he could play better than Goff played last week. Yes. Cuz Goff was putting the ball in harm's way and missing throws that he should have hit. If we're talking about just hit the throws you're supposed to hit that are mm-hmm. going to get schemed up by Sean McVay, 
I think Wolford executes this. And it's it's another case where, you know, not just playing well in preseason a couple of times, but getting better. Like, first year was was pretty good. Second year was really good. And again, it, it, it's not that it doesn't – it's not that it means anything, right, necessarily. It's just – it's the pattern you want to see right. if you're trying to build a case mentally that this guy could actually do something this week, right, as opposed to, oh, God, John Walford is starting a quarterback. Let's turn this game off. So – Every single data point we have on John Walford says he's a, he's a pretty good quarterback at whatever level he's been asked to play. Now he's at being asked to step up a significant level. So let's see what he can do. And I'm kind of, I'm here for it. I think the bigger storyline here, though, is so Kyler Murray, there was a chance he wasn't going to play. Sounds like he's going to. Yep. He's banged up as well. His worst grade of the season, 48.8, came in week 13 against the Rams. This has been a consistent trend for the Rams defense go through a lot of quarterbacks around the league and you said that have played the Rams where's your worst grade this year it's against the Rams um friend of the show Robert Mays had a really good article this week on the athletic right of the show about the Rams defense he actually interviewed Brandon Staley the defensive coordinator and um, our own Seth Galina wrote about this weeks back and we've discussed it on the show too just the way the Rams are playing defense playing inviting the run from a run uh, box count standpoint but because of that you have to adjust your run gaps and expect more from your defensive linemen they're playing one and a half gaps instead of one or two I mean it's all these different things that I think are very uh, forward looking and all of that stuff is added up to the Rams being I would say one of the two best defenses in the league this year it's them and the Steelers yeah all of that said if the Rams win this game I think the Rams have a really good shot of winning this game and they get into the playoffs, and they're just a team that's going to give problems to the Packers, the Saints, the Bucks again, or whoever they run into in the playoffs. Seattle again, uh, but they got to win this game and get in. And um, I, you know, it's a big game for Kyler, and or, it's a big game for the whole Arizona air raid narrative going up against this good defense. Yeah, or just relying Green Bay beating Chicago, like the Bears. Yes, I mean I know Bears they're pretty lose, much in, but. Rams are in anyway. Um, but you're right, they they could miss the playoffs like this the fact that they're starting John Walford in a game that they might need is significant I mean they if they lose this game they are vulnerable to <laughs> to Mitchell Trubisky springing an upset and booting them out of the postseason all of a sudden um so yeah it's kind of important I agree that I think it'll be close and I I'm actually really intrigued to watch this game um the Rams technically still have a shot at the number five seed that would involve the Bucks losing to the Falcons but yeah again I think um, the Rams and what they're doing defensively is awesome. Aaron Donald, by the way, um, I think there's a legit argument for other guys in Defensive Player of the Year award candidacy. There's Aaron Donald, there's TJ Watt, Xavier Howard, who's on the Chris Collinsworth show this mm -hmm. week. I think he did a, a great job talking with Chris and Sherm, so go check that out. Should uh, Donald be Defensive Player of the Year? Yes, again. every year. Just end it? Yeah. That's it? It's Donald. Like TJ Watt has been fantastic. Xavier Howard has been fantastic. I don't know that there's a great case that either of them is as good as Aaron Donald is this year and this year hasn't even been a particularly dominant Aaron Donald year like he only has 15 sacks <laughs> by our numbers but again he's leading the league in total pressures um from the interior from an interior alignment and not just leading them but he's you know like some way clear you know what I think is most impressive about Donald now there's what? a lot of impressive things We've now seen him play in multiple schemes. And even when like Wade Phillips came in and you're like, oh, they're going to make him into a 3-4 defensive end, which they did a little bit, yeah. or they rushed him off the edge, production pretty much stayed the same. So whether it was Greg Williams, whether it was Wade Phillips, and now you've got Staley, who again is 
hanging his front seven out to dry or expecting more of them from a run game perspective, nothing has changed for Donald as far as his production goes. Donald has, what is it? Wow, 16 more total pressures than anybody else. He has the same number of sacks as TJ Watt. Now, he has rushed the passer a lot more, right? Uh, 541 rushes for Donald, 479 rushes for TJ Watt, which is, it's like a couple of games worth of rushes. On the other hand, he's doing it from that interior alignment where it is a hell of a lot harder to get pressure than it is on the edge where you're generally isolated one-on-one um, so for him to even be in the same ballpark as TJ Watt is insane. Even if he has got like two games worth of extra rushes to his name. Again, just to reemphasize this, because I really do think this is like the best Aaron Donald data point out there. No interior defender has ever led the league in total pressures since we've been grading, which goes back to 2006 now, right? So a decade and a half only Aaron Donald has led the league in total pressures. And he's now done it in three of the last four years, including this one. And he's 16 clear. Like, he is by far the best pass rusher in the NFL. So TJ Watt is kind of getting screwed, right? In terms of he was amazing last year. He's amazing this year. And in a league where Aaron Donald didn't exist, TJ Watt would be defensive player of the year. But Aaron Donald does exist. And just because a couple of years ago he was threatening the sack record doesn't mean that this season is not Defensive Player of the Year worthy just because he isn't quite at that level. We'll have to do a PFF Daily on the Defensive Player of the Year discussion and just make sure that the voters hear us and listen. So we'll get that. We'll get your whole rant on the Daily at some point. chop that out and put it right in there now. Arizona's favored by three. I think they're going to need a huge game. This is one of those, like, this is why you got DeAndre Hopkins types of games. But, man, I like the Rams in this. I like the Rams as underdogs. Because I believe in Wolford executing that offense and because I believe in the Rams' defense. Because I believe in Wolford. Yeah. Let's go. How about you? Uh, I I think the Cardinals will win, but I could see the Rams making it very close. And I think John Wolford will be functional. Um, Arizona needs this to get in, right? Uh, I, yes. As I scroll to it to make sure. <laughs> do they need help? I didn't memorize every scenario. Yeah, they game? need to win. Arizona gets in with a win or they could tie with the Bears losing. Yes. But Arizona needs to win and get in. I don't know if they're going to. Yeah, if they don't win this game, they, they can't get in, right? If they if they lose and uh, Chicago ties, I believe. Is ties? Or Chicago. Okay, well, let's So Chicago also tied. gets in if Arizona loses. That's what I mean. Yeah. So if they, if they lose, I don't think they can get in. No, they can't. They have to win. Okay. Unless they tie. And Chicago loses. Not, stop. No. That's I'm, it. I don't know. I'm not listening to tie scenarios. Arizona has to win. Not not hearing it. I, and they're in. I don't care. All right. We talked Seattle, Sam. Where are we? Oh, let's go with the NFC East scenarios. These are all big ones. Um, Washington at Philadelphia, Sunday night football. We don't know if Alex Smith is going to be able to go. So it's Alex Smith or Taylor Heineke. Dwayne Haskins has been released. Yes. <laughs> um, at Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts. Washington, even with QB questions, favored by one and a half. Yeah. Where are you going with this game, man? Because, look, for all – we've been critical of Jalen Hurts just to kind of, like, bring down the excitement because mm-hmm. we're just not seeing the same level of excitement. Um, however, you know, again, the floor of the offense gets raised. I think, you know, he's, he can do some damage. It's a tough Washington defense, though. Are we just going to see a, you know, 16-10 to 10 old-school defensive struggle here? Even though Philadelphia's defense isn't that good, it's more about the Washington offense here. Yeah, unless the quarterbacks combine to 
turn the ball over a lot and potentially put points up in the other direction. Um, defenses are certainly – like Washington's defense is good, uh, not just the front four, which is what it was earlier in the season. They've rounded into a complete unit on the back end. And even if they don't get phenomenal quarterback play, I think that should be keeping them in a pretty good spot. Um, but Jalen Hurts does present not unique challenges, but di- interesting and rare challenges in terms of the, the running threat that he has and what he can do on the ground. So it's not as simple as just – Washington's defense is good, therefore Jalen Hurts will struggle and turn the ball over, and that's game over for Philadelphia. Like He's going to challenge the defense as well because of the things that they have to worry about with him taking off and making plays on the ground. Um, so, I, yeah, this is another one that I think will be a pretty good game. This is the Sunday night game, right? This Sunday is- night game. Washington win. They have to win, and they're in. Yep. You know, that's the – or um, – And in at the four seed, win the top in the division. Right, and they, the – they win and they get the four seed. Exactly. Hosting a playoff game. If they lose, it becomes the winner of the Giants-Cowboys game. Crazy. Yeah. That both teams, because like think about the ebbs and flows of the Giants season, because there was a point where it looked like the Giants in the this middle of division. it like, were every, in control. Every team in this division has spent a period of time where they were a complete joke, and the only team not in with a chance of winning it in Week 17 is the Eagles, who only got eliminated last week. So of all those three teams, so Tampa Bay, we'll talk about Tampa Bay Atlanta in a minute. Tampa Bay is almost assured, uh, almost definitely assured of the number five seed. They would need to lose and have other stuff happen. So Tampa Bay is number five. They're almost certainly going to play the NFC East champion, either the football team, the Cowboys, or the Giants. Which of those teams is the most dangerous in the playoffs? Um, I don't know, actually. I Washington with Alex Smith is not a team that I would be taking lightly in the postseason. On the other hand, if Dallas gets in, having beaten the Giants in the same kind of way that they beat Philadelphia last week, I'm not sure I'd love facing Dallas either. Like, this is what Dallas was supposed to look like without Dak Prescott, which is the offense is still pretty functional. It's still got more than enough talent to cause you some problems. And okay, the defense is kind of terrible still, but like, you never want to go into a game relying on your ability to win a shootout, you know, comfortably. So Dallas becomes formidable and at least worrisome if you have to play them in Dallas uh, in the postseason. If they've yeah. come into that, if they've come into this, if they've won the division by coming into it the way that they beat Philadelphia, like if they're still rolling on offense, you know, everyone's lighting it up. The the receiving group, like that, becomes you know not an insignificant proposition. I think of the trio. The Giants are the the least formidable, yeah. the least scary yes. out of the group, right? Because Dallas at least has something to hang the hat on, which is those playmakers. The football team is one of three defenses to have at least an 80-plus grade, PFF grade, in as a uh, pass rushing grade plus coverage grade. So, when you, and, and the other two are the Steelers and the Rams, the two defenses that we talk up every single week here um, for as little as we talk up defenses. The football team's defense does give them a shot. Chase Young... Strip sack last week. He's balling out. He's on pace for one of the highest rookie edge defender grades we've seen in PFF history now. Uh, Jonathan Allen having a really good season. All of those first-round picks, like the way they've built that team, it is actually showing up on the field. Plus, again, getting unexpected good play on the back end from Washington. So I do think that they're dangerous. Um, If Alex Smith plays, I like them. If it's Heineke, I just don't know if I have the same amount of faith in Heineke as I do, say, John Wolford. Uh, Chase Young has faith in Heineke because he – you know, he, he told him he got this when he went in last week. Oh. So Chase, Chase is convinced. Chase, friend of me, not the show. It did me. make it seem a lot like Chase didn't know who Heineke was, though, before he went out. 
Stop it. Seriously, watch the. Have you seen the, the little no. clip? Chase knew who I was when we met. So well, you're a big famous knows. podcast star. With well, that's true. Listeners. That's true. Um, but he like, you know, when I was like, I, anyway, the, the, the interaction between the two of them made it seem a lot like that was pretty much the first interaction they'd ever had. I'll have to check it out. So where are you going with this one? Do we see some, do we see some Jalen Hurts magic? Is it the football team and their defense just too much for uh, Philly? I think they're a better team. Um, I, I'm in the same boat as you that if Alex Smith is there, I'm reasonably comfortable that the football team will win this if Alex Smith is not and Taylor Heineke is the quarterback I don't have a tremendous amount of confidence the Philadelphia offensive line has had so many injuries this year yeah um, they've still been reasonable and they, you know they've pass blocked pretty well the last couple weeks actually but this could be the game where it all comes back to bite I like Washington here I think Washington goes in I think Washington gives Tampa Bay a good game in the playoffs too I really do so I like Washington in this one. I think Dallas beats the Giants. They're favored by two and a half. Um, I, I just the Giants defense that I've called feisty all year. That's my way of saying they're middle middle of the pack. And in any given week, I, I think Dalton, who we talked about the other day, five straight games in the seventies. Yeah, his consistency. You, you made the Dalton coaster years ago. He was never consistent, but he's been consistent these last few weeks. And if you just do that with those three playmakers at wide receiver, I think Dallas is going to be okay here. Mm -hmm. at the Giants you think they cover that uh, yeah sure I mean I think Dallas assuming they don't revert randomly out of nowhere I think they're a much better team than the Giants right now all right let's go to the NFC South matchups Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Bucks as I mentioned the Bucks um, almost assured um, of the number five seed but they secure it for real with a win um, there are a few scenarios where if they lose and the Rams win and stuff happens, they could end up at number six. But I think the Bucks wants number five because on paper, you would rather face the NFC East champion or, rather than one of the other three teams who are still technically in the mix for the number one seed. You would have to play either the Packers, the Saints, or the Seahawks, most likely the Seahawks. So if you want to travel to Seattle or travel to Washington, yeah. Dallas, New York, you're going to pick that. So the Bucks are probably going to play this out rematch from two weeks ago um look falcons defense over the last two weeks they played a, a they shut out the bucks in the first half then got torched in the second half and they held the chiefs to 17 points buying into the falcons defense yet no no that's it i mean you know should we no probably not right. they're better than they were beginning of the season though sure but they, they were like the worst defense week. in the nfl at the beginning of the season i will say the team's um Mina Kimes was making this point too it's like if you get any teams that can put at least, at least a little bit of pressure on Brady have a shot if yeah. teams that have not been pressuring Brady have not had a shot at mm -hmm. all with Grady Jarrett and what the Falcons have done from a pass rush standpoint better than expected they at least have a shot to slow down the Bucks offense a little bit yeah, but that, the Bucks' offensive line is back being healthy. I mean, the big one of the biggest issues with their sort of midseason struggles were that they lost Ali Marpet, who was one of the best guards in the NFL this season, and his replacement was not. Yeah, um, and that, and not only that, but they then started trying to shuffle that with like kicking the center to the guard and making two positions worse effectively rather than just the one. And Brady was under pressure a lot, and that was where all the problems came. Like, it's not it's not a slight to say that look, Tom Brady is well capable of balling out still when he's kept uh, clean in the pocket and when he doesn't have to deal with uh, that kind of mess. But as soon as that starts to break down, now more than ever, because he's 43 years old, 
he's not able to navigate that as much. And, you know, if for no other reason that it's not because your pocket presence wanes or, you know, he can't maneuver in the pocket anymore, it's because by definition, when the pocket starts to collapse around you, you have to start making throws from weird angles. And, you know, his arm is still well capable of like dropping back with perfect mechanics and airing out a 55 yard bomb. But what happens when you can't step into it and you've got to throw it all, you know, all from the elbow down at a weird angle, you know, looking off to your right, it just, it becomes more difficult. I think that's probably where being old as time starts to impact you. And that's what you see with uh, with Brady this year. I, I like the Bucks in this because of, you know, they were they dominated a depleted Detroit team last week, but uh, that was felt like a long time ago. But the way they're getting healthy, Mike Evans looks healthy for the first time. Chris Godwin's out there healthy. Antonio Brown, it seems like they're using him the right way, which is not force-feeding him the ball like they did those first couple weeks. And then Bruce Arians this week was talking up Gronk, saying, look, man, he looks... Remember the, early in the year, we were talking about him looking slow yeah. and this and that. Like, he looks better from a football well, conditioning also, standpoint. They figured out that if, you know, you just drop the ball on him, like, he's still Gronk. Yeah, he can like, still catch the ball. <laughs> right, even, right. If, even if he isn't fast anymore, right? If he's loping across the middle of the field and you just put the ball in his hands... He's still going to moss the guy trying to cover him and, you know, catch and rumble. Uh, Brady has one of the biggest uh, disparities between grade and numbers from when he's kept clean to being uh, under pressure this season. So PFF grade when kept clean, 94.3. PFF grade under pressure, 61.8. So that's a pretty big drop. Passer rating tells the same story, 114.4 when kept clean, 54.5 when under pressure. So Brady, I mean, it's... It's a dumb thing to say, right? That's the blueprint is pressure him because pressure generally affects all quarterbacks. But more than ever, Brady is susceptible to pressure. And if you can bring that, that's how you're going to cause Tampa Bay major problems. And it's more meaningful there because Brady's not – it's not like Mahomes or Watson who invites pressure or Wilson right. He's or trying Josh to Allen. Right. If you're pressuring him, it's generally because it's something you're doing, not so much something he's doing. So um, I like Tampa Bay because of the way they're trending. And the point you made a few weeks ago was – hey, they need to figure it out, figure out Brady's offense and Marion's offense and run more play action and motion. It seems like they're trending in the right direction. And if they yeah, have another... See, this is this is the trap that people were going to fall into. It's like, oh, look, everything's cooking. They, they've figured it all out. It's like, no, they, they caught fire for one half against the Falcons. And then they played Detroit, who again, look what Detroit did to Chicago. Detroit are one of those teams that is basically the worst defense in the NFL. Right. So, of course, Tampa Bay looked great against them. This is another test because three weeks ago we were saying that hey they're going to face atlanta twice in a two-week span atlanta's probably going to throw some stuff at them at least in one of those games that they haven't dealt with before and they're going to need answers so look i don't i don't think we know yet then that's going to be the narrative that tampa bay has this thing figured out everything's going in like the right the ravens, direction the, the same thing i'm saying about the right. ravens mike evans is back it looks different blah 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 this i think is an actual indication of whether that is true or not or if they've just had a run of six quarters where they didn't really face any kind of challenges bucks by six and a half they cover right and that's you know vegas apparently is buying into that narrative as well that everything is on the right track for tampa bay i would be less sure uh oddly tampa bay hasn't or brady at least the passing offense hasn't played as well at home versus some of those road games so yeah i think it could be close Um, i wouldn't be surprised if atlanta kept it close here because part of partly because of the rematch and Mm -hmm. they're just trending a little bit better than they were earlier in the season the other nfc south matchup new orleans saints at the carolina panthers saints by six and a half two same exact spread um, but they're on the road 
at Carolina. Saints still have that scenario where they could be the number one seed. They need Green Bay and Seattle to lose. If it's a three-way tie at Seattle, um, what are you expecting in this one? Is that true? I believe I, so. I have them with the number one seed if just the Packers lose. No, Packers lose. Oh, plus Seattle win. Oh, if it's a three, that's what it was. I was, I was remembering what uh, Kornacki was saying the other night. If it's a three-way tie, it's supposed to be Seattle, I think. <laughs> that would be a three-way tie, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. He could have been wrong, too. Well, according to NFL.com, New Orleans win, Green Bay loss, and a Seattle win means New Orleans is in. Yes, that's the number one seed. How does Seattle get it? They need both. Okay, they need both they need Green Bay and New Orleans to lose. That yes. might be why that would be the three-way tie. No, because then New Orleans would be 11 and 5. Whatever. <laughs> That's not a three-way tie at that point. You're right. They're okay. just the seed. Just cut that, guys. Just cut it. Redo edit, that. Edit it out. Yeah, right. We don't edit stuff. Anyway, New Orleans got some scenarios for the number one seed, but it involves the Bears beating the Packers. Yeah, so. which isn't crazy. I mean, you know, everybody's talking about Chicago is on the, the move. Um, it's definitely not necessarily likely, but it's it's in play to the point where they're going to be playing hard in this game, wanting to secure their part of this and hoping Chicago can do them a favor. No, see, I'm, this is they need Seattle to win to make it a three-way tie. So here's what it is. New Orleans wins, yeah. Green Bay loses, and Seattle wins. They're all 12-4, and four, Yeah, right? They need the three-way tie because if it's a two-way tie between New Orleans and the Packers – the Packers have the tiebreaker directly over the Saints because they beat them. Okay. But for whatever reason, the three-way tie tiebreaker tie goes to the Saints. Yep. That's what they need. Okay. Thank you, Kornacki. There you go. Well Friend done. of the other show. Yes. <laughs> Stuck here. Huh. Well, uh, well deciphered. I mean, I just told you what it was. You have to find the reasoning for it. Uh, Panthers have been feisty the last couple weeks. They're almost in that Giants feisty level of, uh, of defense. What do you yeah. think? Do the Panthers have a shot in this game? Not a big one, right? I mean, they've, they're a live underdog in that they've got some talent. They can make plays. The Saints' offense, though they just hung like a million points on the Vikings and ran the hell all over them, has not been firing on all cylinders for most of this season. So there's definitely scenarios where the, Pan the Panthers could spring an upset here, but I don't think it's likely. Panthers had, you know, they, they lost by one a few weeks back against the Vikings, lost by five to the Broncos. Lost by eight to the Packers. You know, were down early and, and hung tough, and then beat the football team twenty to thirteen. Had that blocked punt for a for a touchdown. So um, their offense has dwindled a little bit from where they were earlier in the season. I think there's probably some questions about Teddy Bridgewater as their future there. Um, but I think as a Panthers fan, taking a look at all the the young kids on defense and what they're able to do, and um, you know, if they can slow down the Saints' offense a little bit. Alvin Kamara coming off that record-setting six-touchdown game where the offensive line dominated. Saints have answers here, man. Is there anything from Breeze that you want to see from an arm standpoint, playing outdoors for the first time since the uh, injury, if you care about that? I mean, it would be nice to see him look good. Um, you know, even against – I mean, the Minnesota game was interesting because he's still got, he's still got that sort of throw-and-cower thing. You know, the, yeah. the, the, ribs, the ribs are not good, right? Some worked. Some of them are sure. I mean, yeah. it's not that it's necessarily bad, but like he knows that I don't want to take a shot to the ribs right now. And at some point, that's not good, right? Like a quarterback probably doesn't want to be playing with a general fear for his ribs playing in the back of his mind at all times, because like at some point you're probably going to need to throw stand in there and, and deliver a pass. 
and you don't want to be thinking about the shot that you're going to take off the back of that because you're going to have to take something off those passes. I think we've hit every game except Minnesota at Detroit. The one game in the NFC that means nothing, correct? <laughs> Minnesota by seven at Detroit. Uh, Matthew Stafford banged up and still trying to play, yeah. Uh, Dalvin Cook, unfortunately, had his uh, father pass away unexpectedly, so he's not going to be there at the game here. What are you expecting? And, well, is there anything to watch in this game at all? Uh, not really. Okay. I mean, this is a game that genuinely means nothing except draft. I, I, I haven't even checked how much either one of these teams can move in terms of draft slot, but that's basically the only thing that anybody's playing for right now. Remember, the uh, Giants have the scenario where they could pick as high as three or win the NFC East. That is the widest range of outcomes in this entire thing. Um, Vikings are six and nine. If they win, they're seven and nine. The same thing I asked about the Raiders. Does that perception matter at all? Like if you came into the season, they felt like a seven or nine or eight and eight type of team, right? You're half rebuilding, but you also have Kirk Cousins and it'll keep you close enough. And it feels like you're just, you're splitting you're splitting the difference in either trying to become a t contender or trying to rebuild. And I think that's where they've landed. They've had a weird season. I mean, they went from like absolute train wreck. People were Photoshopping Trevor Lawrence into Minnesota jerseys. Um, then they which, went in a run. It's like, yo, you know, that was how bad they were at the start of the season. Then it was, hey, they might make the playoffs all of a sudden. Like they've got into the playoff positions and then they kind of collapse at the back end. I said, well, where the hell does that land? Like, it, it does land somewhere in that no man's land of, well, this is, it's not a good football team, but it's, it's not a total train wreck, and it's not good enough to be, like, picking top five and have some sort of transformative um, player come in the draft that fixes all ills. So they are one of the more interesting teams in the NFL in terms of an offseason project and how they go about addressing it because they have some pretty significant flaws in that roster and not necessarily the position to easily address them lions have given up 482 points that is wow worst in the nfl and they're one in six at home um i know i screwed the spread up here i like the i like the vikings to to finish strong here seven points feels a little rich though yeah. I think the Lions keep it tighter than that. I mean, that's what we've been saying about Minnesota all season long, right? If you're favoring yeah. them by a touchdown or more, you probably got the line wrong. Then it could be a mistake. So that's it, man. All your Week 17 scenarios. Um, again, go check out the PFF NFL Daily. Download it for our more in-depth 10-minute quick analysis on a whole bunch of different topics. Appreciate all the support there, too, because it, you know, it's a lot of you guys listening to both podcasts. So we appreciate that. If you haven't done it yet, go and subscribe right now and get us in your inbox every single morning early you guys can listen to us go check out the chris collinsworth podcast this week great interview with xavier and howard and of course all the things you need at pff.com monkey knife fight last chance to go get pff edge before the draft guide comes out and take care of take advantage of that deal all right so we'll be back monday we'll recap all of it's it sounds simple but i think it's going to be madness on sunday sam i always love week 17 most of the games matter We'll wrap it up on Monday morning, and then it's kind of playoffs and off-season mode. We're already there. Yeah. Great. It's madness. All right. We'll see you guys Monday. Enjoy the football.